Have you ever wanted to influence others to shift their behaviors, ideas, or actions without playing power trip games? If so, listen for the next hour. Welcome to TFR. This feels right with your host, Joel Silverstone. You'll learn the tools and concepts to influence others with everyone involved maintaining their respect and understanding so it doesn't seem like it's all one way. Now, here is Joel Silverstone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TFR. This feels right. Before we jump in, let's say hi to our first guest, Shaquille Barmal. Shaquille, how are you feeling today? Joel, I'm feeling fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Ottawa, and I am ready for a fantastic conversation with you. Terrific. Lovely. Well, we're, we're freezing here. Um, and yes, I am your host, Joel Silverstone. And for over 20 years, I have been helping people in business and sometimes in life uh, learn to be more influential by using their communication skills. Uh, and influential really means being able to speak to the emotions and logic to get others engaged. And our focus in the show will be about the emotions. That's our first reaction, our gut instinct. That's the point where we ask ourselves, does this feel right? Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're in the right place. If you want to learn from leaders, coaches, uh, speakers, they're going to be sharing their real-world business examples and perspectives on how they are able to influence behaviors, ideas, actions, and not be manipulative. And so our first guest, as we just heard him say just a few seconds ago, Shaquille Barmal. Uh, Shaquille is the COO, which is Chief Operating Officer of Aga Khan Foundation Canada. He's also the founder of Ocean Blue Strategic. He's a speaker, an executive coach, uh, a friend for over 10 years, uh, and also has started a very interesting series of weekly blogs about nostalgia. And it's great that we have a leader here because this is our theme for the uh, show uh, today, is going to be about emotional intelligence and leadership. So welcome, Shaquille. Thank you very much. Uh, so let's jump in if you're ready, and I'd love to. Uh, good, <laughs> I'd love to learn a little bit more about what your perspective is on uh, emotional intelligence uh, and leadership. And first, before we go there, maybe because emotional intelligence, as you know, and I'm sure you've heard it many times, it's kind of something that's just sort of thrown around. What's right. your version of emotional intelligence? Well, um, yeah, my version of emotional intelligence really comes down to um, the idea that in any kind of interaction or relationship, um, it's really, really important to show genuine interest um, and caring for what someone is feeling, what they're going through, and understanding what's important to them in their life, in the moment, whether it's career, family, uh, doing social good, their education, their brand. Understanding that first, mm-hmm. and then everything you say, do, offer, ask should be centered <laughs> on that understanding. To me, that's emotional intelligence. Uh, that's that's a brilliant definition, and and you know, having known you for a few years, I think that really ties in with with who you are and why you get so many people engaged. Is that you are one of those people that is genuinely curious. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's what keeps me going from day to day, just <laughs> questions and satisfying my curiosity, absolutely. So, um, all right, so let's say, uh, let, let's talk about leadership right now. So this yeah. is something that you, um, and we'll come to the blogs in a, in a few minutes, because obviously this is something that you have learned through time on how to have mm-hmm. that, that curiosity and how to be interested. So mm-hmm. how can others develop this uh, ability to be emotionally intelligent, or really even just to start with being curious and drop their agenda? 
Yeah, I mean, it really does come down to uh, being human and being authentic, right? You know, as as we live our lives, you know, we start as children just being genuinely curious about all the things around us and the impact we can have on the world by doing things. And and we start out curious, but then, uh, depending your path in in the world, um, sometimes that curiosity gets uh, gets kind of taken away from us, whether it's through life experience, through um, our reactions to failure and mistakes, through individuals that come into our life, uh, that gets taken away from us sometimes. So it's really about being self-aware of that and and getting back to understanding what it felt like to be a kid and just be genuinely (laughs) interested and curious to what's happening around us. Uh, You know, that's so true because uh, kids, well, not so much these days. <laughs> They're not so curious because they just say, hey, Google, um, <laughs> uh, which, you know, we didn't grow up with. Uh, yeah. But, you know, going back to the self-awareness and, and you talked yeah. about reaction and, and failures. Um, and I think that's where maybe we we lose perspective on our self-awareness. And, and that's sort of a, right. what I like to say is the, the TSN turning point is when we, yeah. how we how we deal with those reactions and failures. What, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I in back. You know, when you think about it from a perspective of emotional intelligence, I feel like um, there's two kind of opposing forces. That if we can figure out how to lean into both of those forces, um, uh, we'll all be much more emotionally intelligent. And first of all, it's meeting the other person where they are, um, mm. and, uh, getting out of our own heads and trying to put ourselves in their in their heads, or as we say, put the, ourselves in their shoes. But then the other side is we actually have to be in our own heads a little bit because yeah. we have to be self-aware to what's happening in, in, in the moment and how we're reacting in the moment. And my, uh, my CEO had this really excellent analogy that, that stuck with me. And it's this idea of when you think of, let's say, a hockey player, right? The best mm-hmm. hockey players, Bobby Orr, for example, legendary hockey player, had this ability to be playing in the game, on the ice, in the moment, while at the same time be having the ability to step into the stands and watch what's happening in the field of play. Right. And for me, it's about that ability to be in the moment, but also have the ability to step out. And when there's little mistakes or little failures or little things that happen in our interaction, the ability either in the moment or maybe even shortly thereafter to see what happened there? What did I do? What could I have done differently? And just embracing each failure or mistake as an opportunity to get better. I think you 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 nailed it on a few things. You know, just going starting with what you just ended with, with what with that self aware that that trigger point, which is okay. This is actually an opportunity to to ask myself uh, instead of feeling sorry for myself, I could say, well, what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's sort of the next piece of emotional intelligence is that how do I now manage my emotions? Right. Um, and then the other piece, you know, and you could tell with this, we're doing this from Canada here because we brought up hockey as an example. <laughs> 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 um, that, uh, you know, they, they say that about athletes, you know, they're really good ones. But I think even if you really have a heightened emotional intelligence, it's the same idea, which is that right. you're able to see things in slow motion. Right. You know, so your example about seeing it from the stands is where you could see the conversation unfolding or you could feel, yes. <laughs> you could feel, feel. this doesn't feel right uh, for yeah. yourself, that this is something is being triggered in you and, and that's that awareness and it happens in slow motion. You're able to um, not react, but you're able to respond, I guess. I, I, you know, I think what you just said is so powerful. You know, m- so many of us, me included, right, mm-hmm. only human is that you have this um, uh, 
uh, instinct sometimes when you're feeling a negative emotion um, to kind of try to bury it away and get through the moment when yeah. really the right answer is to actually lean into it, to embrace it, to say to the person on the other side of the table that I'm having difficulty with what's happening right now or I'm feeling this or that. It creates such an opportunity for a human connection that changes the conversation. And, and I think we all have to do a better job of just embracing those moments, those, those moments of anxiety or, or anguish or stress and just lean into it a little bit more authentically. I couldn't have agreed with you more, Shaquille. <laughs> um, I'm not creating that emotion for you right now. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Uh, which is another thing I've noticed about you as well. Why you're such a powerful leader and, and such a good coach uh, and command the room is um, your ability to show vulnerability. Uh, to really... Uh, for lack of a better word, I guess, wear your heart on your sleeve, that you're really able to um, feel comfortable in your own skin and be able to actually share what's on your mind, uh, how you're feeling um, in a way that is not compromising your leadership. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, Joel, I don't know any other way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know any other way. You know, some other people have told me that throughout my, uh, throughout my life and career. And in some, some cases, people have kind of raised it as a weakness, uh, and um, the truth of the matter is I couldn't do it any other way. I couldn't if I tried. Um, I mean, I just go through this life uh, interacting with people, whether it be the person on the street or the people in my personal relationships with the people I work with, and mm -hmm. I think I would miss out on so much of life if we weren't just real with each other. Um, and so that's, that's my view. Okay, well, let's let's get real here, and let's okay. talk about your your blog, uh, which yeah. is all about nostalgia. Which is, yeah. you know, as you said, you couldn't be any other way. And um, how did you decide that you were going to start this blog, and the blogs were going to be about, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, m making you the person that you are. Well, yeah, well, that's actually a really interesting way to put it. I, it. It was a bit of a discovery process, Joel. You know, I've been blessed my entire life with a really, really powerful um, long-term memory. Um, my, my partner will tell you that my short-term memory is awful, but mm -hmm. my long-term memory is, uh, is really good. And I, it would make for great party conversations when <laughs> I'd be able to tell you know, a friend who um, I'm good friends with for years, hey, you know what, this particular day, 25 years ago, you remember this thing? And it would be just a lot of fun. And so um, one day I was uh, reflecting is what if I could take all that memory and all those experiences and actually put it to the service of learning mm -hmm. and a bit of a, a application to self-awareness, really. What if I could, rather than make this a great party trick, what if I could put it in the service of learning? And one morning after my, um, my uh, 50th birthday, just turned 50, I, Congratulations. I, I, I thank you. I, I <laughs> typed a little bit of a log, uh, blog on LinkedIn, not really a blog, just a, really a post where I told a story of a memory from my 18th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it was related to a work experience and, and my dad. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, I had like 35,000 views and comments wow. and sharing of people giving me their stories. Um, you know, within a week, I had stories from people I'd worked with years ago stories from strangers. It was really quite incredible. And I thought, man, I think everybody's got these memories. And what if I could create a community or a movement of people that are willing to grow and learn and express themselves? 
So I, I, I decided that I was going to go through this learning journey. And I started listening to podcasts and reading about blogging. And I decided, let me do it. Let me, mm-hmm. let me, let me start taking the moments in my life and um, uh, telling stories about them as a way for me to discover what those experiences have done to me from my, both my leadership perspective, my interpersonal interactions, but also you know, embracing the mistakes and the embarrassments in my life to see, you know, where do they come from? And uh, it's been honestly a joy to write and share and even more of a joy to get the reactions I've been getting from uh, people in my life, but also strangers. Yeah, well, I heard 30, 35,000 views. So that's that's quite impressive, you know, for the first blog. And again, goes back to the the likability of of that that people want to talk, as you said, about their their memories and their experiences, and they can relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. People are telling me this made me think of a time in my life, and that brings me no greater. There's no greater joy than to know that something I put in words has made somebody else think about their own life experience. It's I I, I love it. Well, because you, you talk about long term memory, and and what you talk what you're doing here is you're you're forcing us to trigger our our memories and and sort. Of, Take an almost emotional intelligence inventory of uh, who yes. we are as people. What are our values and beliefs? Like when I read yes. your most recent one um, about how your your family came here with pretty much nothing and, and all the struggles your your family went through, and um, and it was all about faith and resilience and perseverance. Um, I actually paused and started to think about you know. So maybe that's where I got some of this, uh, some of these skills from watching my mother and uh, my aunts and. Uh, my grandparents uh, go through those struggles. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. And you know, the thing that it made me realize as I'm doing this, really impactful for us when we have kids, is that, you know, if I think about all these lessons, they didn't come from things that my parents told me. Right. They came from these observations I've had about how they interact and deal with things. And I think now, reflecting on my children, how many times I've gotten on a soapbox and lectured or told them things and realize now that those things aren't the one things that will stick with them. It's the things they saw me do and the right. things they saw me say to other people that will actually stick. Which, you know, is going back to, to leadership is, uh, is so important that uh, we see so many leaders who um, talk about uh, emotional intelligence or talk about, you know, being able to influence, so to speak, but they, they're not buying into it themselves. What have you, because you've coached a lot of people and you've worked with a lot of people, what's your experience in watching other leaders sort of juggle this? You know, it's interesting. It's, I mean, it, it, I think it all starts with how you look at leadership. Um, you know, some people look at leadership and say, you know, I'm in this leadership role because I've got to get something done. Mm-hmm. I've got, uh, you know, I've earned it and I've got to achieve <laughs> something and I've been given this mission to do this. Mm. I, I, I look at leadership and a lot of people I, I work with look at leadership a little differently. To me, leadership is the ultimate form of service. If you're put in a leadership role, whether you're appointed, elected, um, you're recruited or hired or promoted, I believe you're in a position of leadership because you're meant to serve either an organization, a team, um, individual people, a cause. Mm-hmm. And so if you're leading people as a service, you have a responsibility to be connected to what matters to those people. Um, people are made up, they're bundle of emotions and uh, uh, motivations and ambitions and experiences. If you're in a leadership role to serve others, you have to develop the skills to be able to flex 
and meet those people where they are because people aren't going to change to meet your needs. You have yeah. to evolve and, and, and flex to help them be the best people they can be. And so it really comes down to how you, you view the role of a leader. Uh, I, I think you, you nailed it on, on a few levels there. One, you know, emotional intelligence is, is about putting your, realizing what's bugging you, what your triggers are, and just put it on hold for a few seconds here so you, you can be of service to the other person. Uh, but also, um, if we want to be able to influence someone as a leader, it's uh, drop your ego and uh, be really open to what are the concerns of the other person. You know, how can uh, you get what you want, but also making sure that the other person is also uh, feeling respected yeah, and not absolutely. manipulated. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, I mean, Joel, I know you know this, is that there's no way you can make any human being do it, do anything they don't want to do, right? Um, well, you can't you can grudgingly. <laughs> sure, grudgingly, but I mean, long yeah. short, short term, right? Yeah, short, short term, term, you can make, any, yeah. you can do, make people do things they don't want to do. But long term, yeah. you can't, begrudgingly. So, I mean, it really does come down to really understanding what matters to them and then um, um, trying to structure what it is you need to get done in terms of how you can help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. Uh, and I think it doesn't work 100% of the time, but it works more times than not. So that's, that's I think, the approach is have to meet people where they are and have to truly understand what matters to them. Yeah, it's it's so so important. Um, but we're we're so focused, like you said before, about the pressures we're putting on ourselves, whether it be a leader or just just in general in life, um, that we're we're missing the clues and cues that that people are giving us. We're not really genuinely listening. Yeah, you know, I I remember um, read a great book. Uh, most people have heard of this gentleman, Stephen Covey. Um, in my 20s, I read this book, and one part that really resonated with me is how many times in a conversation when we're talking to somebody do we end up giving an autobiographical, <laughs> autobiographical response, right? This idea that we don't respond based on what we're hearing from them, but instead we respond based on our own story that we're telling ourselves. Uh, and resisting that temptation to respond from our perspective, but responding from what we're hearing come from the other person uh, yeah. is truly the power. It's really, really where the power is, reflecting honestly and authentically what we're seeing and hearing and feeling from them. Uh, you know, and so this is this is a good segue. We're going to take a, a what I like to call our uh, improv or improve <laughs> your communication skills uh, technique. We're going to do a little improv exercise, Shaquille, okay. if you're open to okay. if you're open to it. Um, <laughs> we'll take our, our little sixty second break here, and we're going to do this. Um, I, I like to play a little game here. It's called Last Letter, First Letter. Okay. So, so what's going to happen is I'm going to make a statement such as Canada is a big country. You have to listen to the whole thing uh, and take the last letter that I just said. So country would be Y. And then you have to start your next sentence without changing the flow of the story with that letter. Oh, this sounds like fun. Yeah, so it goes like, you know, Canada is a big country. Why? You know, yes, it is. <laughs> S. Uh, Saskatchewan is a part of it. <laughs> T. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Love Are it. you game? I'm gay. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll give us the, the first sentence. You ready? Sure. Okay. Hockey is a big part of Canada. Hockey is a big part of Canada. And it forms the fabric of so much social interaction in our communities. 
Yes, that is so true. People love to get togethers. Regardless of where they're from, how they've been brought up, what their family life is like, it's a powerful way to uh, share and discover each other. Boom. Done. <laughs> Fun. That was great. Oh, my God. I want to keep playing, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how, so how, how, did you, how did you feel? That was that was really fun, and I just it you know the idea of a little bit of nervousness because I didn't know if I'd be ready, mm-hmm. but then just as you kind of lean into that nervousness as I talked about and just be open and ready, like you know it really allowed us you and I to have a great conversation about what a great country we live in, <laughs> right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and and really, you know, we talked about listening. This is you, you, you know, we and we have an audience listening to us. So yes. we, the stakes are even higher because they know if we're going to cheat here, uh, if we're <laughs> if we're going to fake it or not. And it's the same thing. I think when when leaders are uh, have to be able to realize that when they're speaking to one person or a group of people, that they really want to make sure that they're being heard and understood. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That was really great insight, Joel. Thank you. Um, so uh, we have uh, uh, probably about uh, four minutes left. So I just want to talk about the um, Aga Khan uh, Foundation of Canada, and if you could tell us a little bit about what's what you know, we know Aga Khan. You know, its mission is about uh, fighting global poverty, but maybe tell us a little bit more about it or what events are coming up, uh, sure. and then uh, and then I'd love to ask you where can we find out more about Shaquille Barmal. Oh, great. Sure. So, yeah, Aga Khan Foundation Canada, is a, there's a lot you can find out on the internet, akfc.ca. But one of my favorite things about this organization and the work that we do to improve quality of life in some of the most difficult parts of the world, mm-hmm. um, in Asia and Africa, is the way we engage and mobilize, like, ca- Canadians here, right here at home. Um, you know, I have the joy and pleasure of working with uh, thousands of volunteers, some of them very senior volunteer leaders, corporate leaders, um, and the common thread through all these human beings is the care about the world beyond themselves, and they mm-hmm. recognize and are embracing with courage the role we can all play in improving quality of life for for everybody in the world, here at home as well as in the most difficult parts of the world. And so it makes me really proud to be a Canadian and be uh, associated with people like this. The next thing that's happening, actually this weekend, we're okay. uh, welcoming our um, our senior volunteer leaders that run our World Partnership Walk campaign that uh, kicks off in uh, the spring of every year in, uh, in March. Mm-hmm. And uh, the campaign kicks off next March, but this is the, the kickoff event for the planning of next year's campaign. So we'll have, you know, 20 uh, volunteer leaders here this weekend looking to sharpen our leadership skills, looking to plan um, and improve from what happened last year. And it's one of my favorite weekends of the year. So that's what's happening next. Uh, now, you said World Partnership Walk, right? So this yes. is is this this is happening... Just about what? everywhere? like Yeah, well, it happens in 10 cities across the country. It's been happening for, thir- it'll be, this will be the 30, uh, this is the 35th year we just finished, actually. So next year will be 36. Mm-hmm. And um, it started by a small uh, group of, of women who just wanted to give back to the countries they came from. Uh, they started this volunteer movement, and lo and behold, 
you know, it's become this movement that involves 40,000 Canadians uh, across the country, completely volunteer-driven. They donate, they raise awareness and funds for the role that Canada and Canadians play in making the world a better place. So worldpartnershipwalk.com if okay. you want to check it out. Um, and we're always open and welcome to new organizations, workplaces, schools to get involved. Great. And, and obviously, if anybody else wants to volunteer. Absolutely. L- always looking for great volunteers. Uh, lovely. All right. Now, uh, Shaquille, I mean, we, um, we have, a, a, again, a, just a few minutes left. So I want to talk uh, about, you know, where to find you and, and maybe talk a little, uh, some more about Ocean Blue uh, Strategic. You're the founder of this. Can you tell us a bit more about this, this new venture that you've started? Yeah, yeah, no, pleasure. Uh, pleasure to. So I, I've been, uh, been here at Dagkan Foundation uh, for almost seven years now. And, and uh, through uh, some self-discovery, self-awareness, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm planning a bit of a, a different journey with some next steps. And I've launched Ocean Blue Strategic um, as a coaching leadership development uh, firm. You know, the, the naming is interesting because I don't know about you, Joel, but every mm-hmm. time in my life I found mm-hmm. myself in front of a body of water, mm-hmm. um, I feel in so perfect alignment with myself and hopes and aspirations and and what I want to accomplish in this world. So I decided to call the company Ocean Blue. Um, And the idea of this company is I want to work with people that are driven and have a desire to impact the people in the world around them. Mm -hmm. And it's such a complex time in the world right now. Uh, It's volatile, uncertain, complex, but yet really good human beings still want to make a difference. And so I'm, my focus is going to be on helping individuals be the best leaders they can be, both in their work, in their organizations, but also in their lives to uh, create as much impact as possible on the people around them. And so that's the focus of Ocean Blue Strategic. Uh, it'll be coaching development company. And uh, for now, you can find me at ShaquilleBarmel.com. Uh, and then at some point, I will launch OceanBlueStrategic.com as a website. But for now, you can find me at ShaquilleBarmel.com. And that's where we can sign up also to get these these wonderful blogs about nostalgia and really trigger those those memories and that emotional intelligence for us. Yeah, please do. And the more the merrier, the more people share, the better. I mean, yeah. this is starting out about me sharing some of my stories. But my real hope is that I just awaken a lot more people to, to share their own stories because I think that will make us all so much better to just connect with each other. Well, Shaquille, I just want to let you know this felt right. So thank oh, you so it felt much. Right for me too, Joel. <laughs> I, I, nothing is random, Joel. I think we've been meaning to have this conversation uh, yeah. probably since we first met, and I'm really honored to have shared this time with you. Thank you so much. Uh, and we're not in an airplane having it, so that's even exactly. better. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Shaquille, you know what? I, I think a great way to tie all this together is is what you have on your website for Ocean Blue Strategic is when you say, uh, a drop creates a ripple, and a ripple can change everything. And I Absolutely. think that's that's the big piece here about emotional intelligence and leadership is really being present in that moment because that small moment, if you miss it, um, the whole conversation has gone the other way. And if you don't miss it and you d- embrace it, you can change everything. <laughs> Swish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shaquille. Thank you so much. We are now going to go to our commercial break. Thanks a lot, Joel. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to TFR. This feels right. If you have a question or comment for Joel Silverstone, please send an email to joel at joelsilverstone.com. Again, that's joel at joelsilverstone.com. Now, back to TFR. Welcome back to TFR. This feels right. Uh, we've got our second guest uh, when we're speaking about emotional intelligence and leadership. But before we jump in, uh, let's just say hi to Jamel Lindo. And Jamel, how are you feeling today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's our delight. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, so once again, I'm your host, Joel Silverstone. And uh, for over 20 years, I have been helping people in business and sometimes in life to be more influential, uh, especially using their communication skills. Uh, and today's show is emotional intelligence and leadership. And we've got uh, an expert with us today. Uh, Jamal is the uh, emotional intelligence leader. He's a coach. He's a trainer. He's a speaker. He's 
also the founder of Paradigm People Development. Uh, he's also a, uh, a masterful coach and uh, speaks and writes a lot about and part of the Forbes Coaches Council. So, Jamel, this is great to have an emotional intelligence expert. We had a, a great conversation with Shaquille in our first half uh, from his version. But, Jamel, here's my question for you. What is your version of emotional intelligence? It's really interesting that you ask that because depending on who you ask, you'll get different renditions and versions of, of what emotional intelligence is, and there are even different models to look at it through. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's just make sure that we're clear. This is, this is my version and my interpretation of what works for me and the people that I work with. So yeah. I normally just describe emotional intelligence as your ability to use and manage emotions purposefully, yours and others. And the reason why that's a really significant statement is because in all that we do, uh, we've all had the experience where emotions can trip us up, they can get in the way, and they can prevent us from achieving our goals as opposed to helping us to achieve our goals. So emotional intelligence is about how do you get ahead of them, how do you be smart about emotional experiences, yours and others, so that they can work for you instead of against you. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about that. Like how to like you know. So for for someone who you know what is trying to figure this out and go okay. Well, how how do I know? How am I going to be smart about this? What what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Well, the first step is self awareness. So it's mm-hmm. an ability to actually recognize what emotions you're feeling at any given moment and how they're playing their part in your success. So are they working for you or are they working against you? So an example of that could be you're about to deliver a speech mm-hmm. and you're moments away from stepping on stage. And, and you and I, we know, we've both been there, you know, the mm-hmm. nerve set in. And yeah. so are you able to manage that feeling, that emotion of being nervous? Are you able to find a way to allow that to work for you instead of work against you so that when you get up on that stage, you can give your best performance? You can communicate clearly. You can have people walk away feeling like they're impacted. And, of course, the alternative to that is that you step up on stage, you know, you draw a blank, you don't know what to say, you stumble on your words. It's that whole lack of confidence piece. So that's one example of how it can apply. But really, if you think about leadership, if you think about sales, if you think about anything that involves people, there's an infinite number of ways that it can apply. And you know, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you from from your uh, your speech that you had at the Disrupt HR, which was uh, that self awareness is the gateway. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. and I think and I think that's you know it, it's got to start there because it it doesn't matter so much <laughs> what you're noticing in other people uh, if you're not man if you can't manage your own emotions uh, and as you said getting up on stage is a is a great example because so many people have a fear of public speaking but if you're not even aware of you know what it is you're nervous about and uh, and you're just dismissing it uh, then yeah you probably will go up and and draw a blank because you're you're not taking that pause to go, why am I nervous and how am I going to make this work for me? And that's exactly it, right? And, and a big part of that is because we don't have a conversation culturally in the mainstream around emotion. So emotions are not something that we understand. Most mm-hmm. people are not in a space where they understand, you know, how, how they feel, how to interpret it, how to decipher it, how to make it work for them. And so we have moments where we feel nervous, where we try to brush it under the rug or we try to ignore it, right? Yeah. We have moments where emotions are getting in the way of our success and we do our best to not address it head on 
usually because we just don't know how. And so a big part of it is giving people the tools so that they can become more self-aware. And then once you know what it is that you're feeling, then you can manage it. But if you can't see it, you can't manage it. And so that's where it can get the best of you. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and what I, th- I like the difference between, you know, IQ versus, you know, EQ is that this is something, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something that you can actually work on. Like you can actually build your EQ where you can't really do much more about your IQ. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, the, I mean, there's a few things to really keep in mind there. Uh, the first thing is that when people think about emotional intelligence or EQ, they think that it's one particular skill. When the reality mm-hmm. is it's actually an array of different skills that all tie in to your emotionality. So things like optimism, that's a part of emotional intelligence. Confidence, your assertiveness, so your ability to be able to speak up and say what matters and what's important. That's important in in sales or in leadership if you have to deliver difficult feedback. Your ability to make decisions when stress is involved, to solve problems when stress is involved, to manage relationships, to be empathetic. All of these things tie in to emotional intelligence. That's why I also fundamentally refer to it as a fundamental people skill. Daniel Goleman calls it the fundamental leadership skill. And so EQ is the scientific measure of emotional intelligence and looks at where you rate or where you stand across all of these subcompetencies. Which uh, you know, let's 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 transition this into the into the leadership. As you said, it's a fundamental uh, leadership skill. Um, why why do leaders need to have this? Well, because leaders are essentially there to influence people. Fundamentally, if if you're not influencing people, then you're then you're not leading. And and, and of course, the goal is to influence people towards a result, towards a shared or collective goal. Now, mm-hmm. what we have to understand is that. Human beings are emotional creatures. We can try to avoid it. We can try to say that it's not true. Uh, we can, you know, act like it's not there, but it's a fundamental reality of our biology and the way that we're built. We've even had the feeling brain, so the limbic system, um, yeah. longer on the evolutionary scale than we've had the thinking brain. The thinking brain came much later. It's, it's, it's a development process in the brain that is a part it was built onto, it developed onto the feeling brain. And that's why feelings can actually override your logic, right? And, and when you get emotionally stimulated, you can say, do things that seemingly just don't make any sense. And so as a leader, if you don't understand emotions, then you don't understand people. Yeah. And what we also have to understand is that people are driven by emotion, right? And so... It's the action of people that are driven by emotion. It's what we do. And what we do is what creates the result. So again, if we don't understand the emotion within people that's driving the action or non-action sometimes, then we won't really be able to influence that person Mm -hmm. to drive a specific result. We also won't be able to understand them. We won't be able to get them into a positive space. There's so many things that are cut off from us when we ignore the human element and the emotional yeah. element that's involved with leadership, that's inherent to leadership. 
No, you're <laughs> you're I started by saying no, but what I mean is yes, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, even neuroscience proves that humans make decisions based on emotion first, and then they apply the facts afterwards to to back it up, to reinforce, to substantiate the decision. So it is we 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 tend to go with our gut instincts, and uh, I think as leaders or even just in general, we always sometimes really work really hard to try to make our point with with facts and logic. But um, if you don't speak to the emotion, Emotion, then the person's not really listening to you. They're not open to it. That's exactly it. And it's not about only focusing on emotion and not bringing in a sense of accountability and what we need to accomplish. I yeah. believe that in this space, there's a misunderstanding that says that emotional intelligence is just about, you know, being nice and, and, and comforting people into a space of non-action. When that's not the case, it's just about understanding people so that you can actually more clearly align to what the goals are, what the objectives are, what the results are. And that comes with holding people accountable. Mm -hmm. But what we often do is we skip the emotional part and we go straight to the (laughs) accountability. And so people don't feel valued. They don't feel cared for. They don't feel that you have your best interest at heart. Now, just real quick, I want to come back to the example there. You had mentioned neuroscience and how they've proven that emotions do drive our actions and our behaviors. There was Mm -hmm. an interesting study that was done where they looked at people that had uh, significant brain damage in the areas responsible for emotional experience. And so they weren't having any emotional experiences anymore. And what they observed about these people is that they had very, very, very challenging times making very, very, very simple decisions. Mm -hmm. When I say simple decisions, I mean simple decisions. Like, what should I eat? What should I wear? These kinds of things. And the reason why that was difficult for them is because they did not know how they felt about any particular decision. They could rationalize it in their minds. They could come up with reasons, logic, but because they couldn't connect it to an emotion, it made the whole decision-making process very confusing for them. So that goes to show you just how wired we are um, to our emotions and how much they drive us. That's that's a great ex- example. Uh, that <laughs> without it, uh, we we but we need both. Basically, that's the thing. We need the logic and we need the emotions to be able to to you know. M- my formula is where uh, for influencing people is you know if you speak to their emotion and they go yeah this feels right and then you speak to their logic and go yeah I th- I think this is right and then when the two come together they go yeah now I know this is right because the the two have come together. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? And it's about being able to strike the balance between the two. And I feel that, and I see a lot of evidence that suggests that in the leadership world, we are very much imbalanced towards the, the logic side, and we haven't yet integrated the, the human element and, and the emotional side so that we're, we're approaching leadership more holistically instead of just yeah. using these very limited tools uh, to help people succeed and to help organizations succeed. Yeah, uh, it it is. It really it really is limiting. Um, and so this is what I want to do. That I want to take our our little uh, our little uh, what I call improv or improve uh, communication skills break. Uh, so Jamel, if you're game, I'd like to try a little uh, improv uh, slash communication skills uh, exercise with you. 
I am I am down to play. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is what we're gonna do. Um, let's pretend that we both work in the uh, for we both that I'm I'm one of the people who work at at Paradigm uh, People Development Company. I work with you, and um, uh, we are planning our end of the year uh, party. And let's say there's about twenty people coming. Uh, so I'm going to uh, ask you to uh, brainstorm with me some ideas that we could do for the holiday party uh, or end of the year party. And and uh, I'm just so you know, I'm always going to be answering with yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, we should. Uh, we should go. We should go bowling, and then we should go dancing with the entire team. I think it would be amazing. Oh yes, but that's uh, you know that not everybody feels comfortable or is able to to stand or dance. It's putting a lot of people under pressure to do those things. Okay, uh, do you feel that maybe we could have a mixed situation where there's a little bit of dancing, a little bit of sitting, a little bit of socializing? Yes, but then you're really labeling the people who, who you know, and then maybe the the partner says, "Why aren't you dancing?" And it's putting. A, I, I I'm that person. I don't want to. I don't have to feel the pressure. I should be getting up and dancing. Is there a way for us <laughs> to have it so that people can dance or sit, uh, but then not necessarily feel that pressure? Yes, but that sounds like it's going to take a whole committee to figure that out. All right, so we'll pause right there. Javel, uh, we're going to do this exact same exercise again, uh, but this time, good news, I'm always going to answer with yes and. Okay. So try it again. It never happened. We're going back in time. We're going back in time. Try it again. Okay. You know, I think that uh, it would be really cool if we took everybody in the office out to bowling and then we all went dancing after. Yes, and that is so retro to go bowling. I mean, it's going to bring back so many childhood memories. I, I think that is so much fun. Do you have any ideas where we could go? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of places. There's one downtown. It's one of my favorite. It actually combines both bowling and dancing so we could stay there. Or if we want to try something new, then there's a little place just up the street where we could all go grab a drink and they have an amazing dancing floor. Oh, yes, and everybody loves the idea that there's there's choices there. You could bowl, you could dance, you could just sit, have a drink. Jamel, you're on fire today with these ideas. Absolutely. All right, pause right there. <laughs> all right, so Jamel, how did you feel when you were being yes-butted? <laughs> I felt like uh, yeah, the, the flow was being stopped. It was being cut. We weren't able to get into a flow of brainstorming and getting good good ideas out there. Right, and how did it feel with the yes and? It feels great. It feels like there's a flow. It feels like there's an energy. It feels like we can get a bunch of ideas out there and explore and hopefully land on something that works. I, I like the yes and guy a lot more than the yes but. I was about to call out the yes but guy, but it wasn't a part of the exercise, so I let it go. Fair enough. Um, absolutely. Uh, and you know, when we do this exercise, people don't even, you don't even really even hear the yes, but it's, it goes back to how you felt. You just feel like someone is putting up a, a wall against you. And when you hear the yes, and you're not even hearing the yes, and you're just, you're feeling like this person is being collaborative. And that's the idea of this yes, and exercise is that um, being open and not judging 
someone else and being open to their ideas, to their offers, so to speak. And and as the yes, but I, I you didn't. I was making you work really hard at at coming up with ideas. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And what's interesting about that is you can actually have a difference of opinion, but still use the word and. Mm-hmm. If someone shares something with you and, and you're not in complete agreement, but you'd like to present a different perspective, you can acknowledge them, right? And say, yes, I hear you. And yeah. here's something else that we can consider as well. Right. And, and, and in that way, you can, you could accomplish the, a very similar thing. You know what? That 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 is a, a really good observation because it, yes, and doesn't mean that you necessarily agree. Um, and I think that goes back to sort of our emotional intelligence, which is uh, this does this doesn't feel right for me right now. But you know, checking in why it's not feeling right um, and not not fighting it. Is that would that be accurate then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, let's go back to the the influence formula and uh, and talk about emotional intelligence and leadership. Um, you know, you've you've worked with a lot of teams. Uh, not to mention the fact that you know your background uh, has been in, in uh, uh, working with leaders in in HR and, and client care, and you've done a lot of training, a lot of speaking, a lot of coaching. Uh, any examples uh, where you've uh, you've seen uh, this sort of sort of uh, fall off the rails, or as as far as far as leaders and and their emotional intelligence? Yeah, they're. There, there are many examples of that, and I do want to point out that it's, it's, it's usually not something that we are conscious of, but it's something that we discover mm-hmm. through coaching and training. So I'll, I'll give you some examples, right? Okay. Um, I, I, did a, I did a training session recently for an energy company, and mm-hmm. we, we went out there. At the beginning of the training session, I usually get a feel for, you know, how, how are people defining leadership? What does leadership mean to them? And when you ask these questions, you normally get very, you normally get responses that you've heard before, very common responses. So you hear buzzwords like, you know, influence and mm-hmm. authenticity and, uh, you know, people-centric, and you hear all of these things. Yeah. And so that's why I always incorporate an experiential part so that we can kind of pull out the, the experiences and, and look at what's really happening and look at what we're really doing so that we can become aware, hold ourselves accountable, and then take different actions if we need to. And so... One exercise is mm-hmm. where I get leaders to write down the names of their people, right? And these are leaders with, with smaller teams, so anywhere between, sure. you, know, uh, you know, 15 to 20. And, and they have to write down several things. First thing they have to write down is the first name, last name. Hopefully that's easy. Okay. Uh, the next thing that they have to write down is really brief family situation. So married, not married, you know, girlfriend, brother, sister whatever, to the best of their ability. Uh, the next right. thing they have to write down is um, an interest that they have, one to three interests or hobbies that that person has. Uh-huh. And the next thing that they have to write down, which, one of the, which is one of the most important things, is what that person actually wants. <laughs> and when okay. I say what that person actually wants, I'm not necessarily just talking about a paycheck because we know that fundamentally everybody wants a paycheck. Yeah. But is that the only thing that they want? Is right. there is this role a stepping stone for them into another career? Is it a stepping stone for them into another department? Um, is it a stepping stone for them to go somewhere else within the company? Are they looking to develop themselves? Are they looking just to make more money? And that's literally their only sole driver. Are they interested in leadership, in communications, in marketing? Why are they here beyond the obvious, which is the paycheck? 
Right. And you would be amazed at how many leaders are not able to answer that question. And so then that brings us to the, the next idea, which is all about trust. Fundamentally, mm. relationships are built on trust. You have it, you can do anything. You don't have it, you can't accomplish anything. And people don't w- want to work well and hard for people that they don't trust. I came across this definition of trust that I absolutely love. And the definition is, trust is my confidence in your ability to capitalize on my best interest. Mm. So you got to kind of run that one back slowly. It's my confidence in your ability to capitalize on my best interest, which means when I'm not around and something happens, will you make the choice, the decision, the call that is in my best interest, whether I'm there, whether I'm not there, how confident am I that that is 100% what will happen? And so that brings us back to if you don't know me as my leader, you don't know my interests, you don't know my family, you don't know what's driving me within this organization beyond a paycheck or if it's just a paycheck. If you don't know what my best interest is, then how can I trust you to optimize on my best interest? And so when, I'm, when, I'm, I'm, I'm writing down your quote there because that is, that's gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And so essentially we get to this place where leaders start to realize that they're not as people centric as they think. They're not as people oriented as they think, because if they were people oriented, the very first thing that they would do, it would be obvious. Even if someone was never in leadership, but they stepped in and they were people centric is they'd find out what actually drives their people, what motivates them, what it is that they want. And then now you're entering into a relationship to collaborate with that person to help move them towards that goal while also fulfilling and delivering on the business organization, organizational goals at the same time. And Jamal, just, just, I'm just, sorry, and I don't mean to be rude. I just want to let you know, we just have about two minutes left here. So I want to, uh, because th- you gave us so much in this piece here, um, I-, I want to uh, I want to let people know where they can look more of this up, where they could find you and learn more about this. And you know, uh, I think your your five minute disrupt speech, you know, capitalizes a lot on this. Uh, but you know, being how can I trust you? I think is at the heart of this. And trust, as you said, is not just <laughs> uh, it's a moment. It's really being. Uh, uh, knowing that you have the other person's best interest. It's not just your own agenda. So, Jamel, where can we learn more about you and, and learn more about uh, what, you, what you bring to this? Yeah, absolutely. So, really simple. Just go to my website, jamellindo.com. That's J-A-M-E-L-L-E-L-I-N-D-O.com. On my website, you'll find everything that I do. You'll find testimonials. You can reach out to me if you'd like to have me come out to do training for your leaders, to do coaching for your leaders, to do corporate events, speaking engagements, or even personal one-on-one training and coaching for yourself if you want to become better at what you do through emotional intelligence. And if that's the case, I would highly recommend for any leader, professional entrepreneur to start with getting your emotional intelligence assessed so that you know where you stand, you have a scientifically valid benchmark, and you know where you need to develop and where you need to spend the time. So everything is on my website. You can also find my Forbes articles on there. Um, I do have one specific to what to expect if you're going to embark on that emotional intelligence journey. Uh, it is also important for you to know that along with emotional intelligence is mindset, understanding your thinking, understanding your thoughts. So just understand that that will be a part of the process 
should you decide? Thank you, thank you, Jamal. Just before we get uh, we get interrupted by the the uh, the fade out. Thank you so much, Jamal, for being a guest. And everybody got that site uh, to find out more and read up more. And um, I want to thank uh, Shaquille and Jamal today. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for uh, for being a part of the show and really sharing how important trust and being present and really listening is a big part of leadership and emotional intelligence. Thank you for tuning in to TFR. This feels right. Please join host Joel Silverstone for another edition next Friday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again soon. 